one minute into the first deliberation and the Survivor Alliance has already crumbled. Everyone in the house is kissing everyone. The vets, they've put down their swords. A historian favorite has got hit by bad luck yet again. And TJ, oh my gosh, TJ, he has all of the toys this season. It's the challenge, Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode one recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in the challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hollaball. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today, back in the podcast studio, back on the mic, because we've got a brand new season of The Challenge underway. Let's go! Oh my gosh, what a glorious day it is. A challenge premiere day honestly may be my favorite day of the year, and this one certainly has been one to remember. Now, as for tonight's podcast, here is the plan. We're going to be breaking down everything we saw, not only from the premiere episode tonight, but also a bit from Monday night's Global Activation Special, which, while they didn't market it as such, was a full-on episode. So if you missed that, you probably were a little confused at the start of tonight's episode with who these people were and why they were already doing a challenge, but... We're going to talk about it all, get you caught up on that. So the format we will be using is likely going to be the format these recaps follow all season long, and they go like this. First things first, we will do a quick recap, very quick cliff notes, if you will, of everything that just happened on the episode so we can get our brains reconfigured back on what we just watched. Then we will dive into the main storyline of the week, discuss it in depth, go through the big story that just happened followed by some brief notes on a couple of the secondary stories that may be building into the main story in the future. After that, we dissect both the daily challenge and the elimination in detail. This is the fifth major sport. I love the sport aspect of this, so of course we're going to go deep on the athletic portions of the episode. And then finally, we're going to hand out some awards, best strategy, worst strategy, best quote, best moment, give an MVP award, and we're going to finish it all off with some power rankings and any predictions that I may have going forward. Now, is that a lot to cover? Yes. But before we can dive into all of it for this episode, there is one other house cleaning item I do want to touch on, and that is that the challenge is really up to their game recently and coming into this season with all the extracurricular content around the show. We've got the Aftermath back, hosted by the wonderful Devin Simone, who please make her the reunion host. Finally, please, please, please. Uh, but the Aftermath is back. And this time with a twist, while there's always been some kind of you know valuable content on it, if you're a super fan, you love watching those shows regardless, but this year, it comes with the added fact that TJ will make an appearance to reveal the votes. The votes that happen on Wednesday night's episode will be revealed on that Aftermath show immediately after, so that's going to be important. Then they've been putting out all of this extra behind-the-scenes stuff on their social channels, these extra little clips. They've been doing these breaking news segments with Devin that are part ad for the next episode, but also part info dump. So sometimes there's been some stuff in there that you really can't miss. So because of all of that, and because I'm a historian of all of this stuff, I want to make sure it's all covered. And more importantly, I want to make sure you don't have to worry about missing something yourself. Now that all this stuff's coming from all these different places, all these different channels, and some of it's very important that if you miss, you kind of are lost as to what's going on. I know you've got busy lives. I know it's tough to keep up with all of that stuff. That's what I'm here for. That's why I'm a historian. So 
I am going to cover all of that extracurricular stuff, but I'm going to do so in a super short podcast on Tuesdays. The podcast we record Wednesday night, that'll be out you know, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, right after the episode for you to listen to. That is going to cover just the episode that just aired and ignore the after show, ignore anything else that's starting to come out. Then we're going to wait all the way until the next Tuesday, 24 hours before the next episode, where I will drop a little mini podcast that catches you up on everything noteworthy from, you know, the aftermath or any extra content that's been put out, any little behind the scenes, you know, the goodbyes from the players that lost, all that sort of stuff. We're going to give you a little brief refresher, get you caught up on that extra stuff heading into the next episode. So Wednesday night, full recap, our goal about 45 minutes long. The first few are definitely going to be longer. We'll get into a groove. We're going to get there eventually, I promise, but you know I'm long-winded at this point. So uh, there's a good chance the first few do not hit that 45-minute mark. Tonight's certainly probably won't, but that's the goal. Wednesday night, Thursday morning, the recap of just the episode comes out about 45 minutes long, and then Tuesdays. Tuesday evening, 24 hours before the next episode, little micro pod, like five minutes we're talking, super duper small, short, get you caught up on any extracurricular stuff that you may have missed and need to know. Sound good? All right, great. I heard everyone out there. It sounds great. Great. Love it. Absolutely love the feedback. Thank you. It sounds good to me too. So that's how we're going to do this. Without further ado, we've done all the house cleaning. Let's dive on in to the premiere episode, The Challenge Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode one. All right, let's start with a brief recap of everything that happened, just so we can get our minds wrapped back around it, and not just of tonight's episode, but also Monday night's Global Activation Special, because again, it was a full-on episode. It might That should have been episode one, and this was episode two, but if you missed it, here you go. This is what happened. Monday night, the Americans arrived, 17 folks, mostly vets, some rookies mixed in, in cars of two or three at a time. They arrived to a beautiful challenge house, one of maybe the best ever. We find out Devin has full-on joined Big Brother and Josh and Fessy in an alliance. We see a survivor trio, Tommy, Michelle, and Michaela coming in as rookies together. Everyone gets to the house. They're a little bit confused, but they party anyway. Most of the vets realizing there's a lot of empty beds. More people are coming. Something's going on. This is just twist number one from TJ, who then shows up on the screen, tells the Americans, put your drinks down, get your gear on. You're going to your first challenge. They leave the house, and that is when the global agents arrive. Another 17, mostly rookies, some vets, everyone very confused as to what's going on. Kyle, wonderful Kyle, plays host. He literally sniffs some underwear and says, oh, yeah, that's Devin. Explains to everyone, obviously, some other folks are here. We're just waiting on them to arrive. That's when a message from TJ comes, explains there are some Americans. They aren't there right now. He leaves them resumes. They study those resumes, and then TJ comes back and tells them, get ready. Your first mission is about to start, and that's where that episode ends. Again, it was a full-on episode, so there you go. That's what happened, and that is why Tuesday night's episode starts immediately with the Daily Challenge, with their foot on the starting line. Literally, the global agents run out to the beach, and they get to pick their whatever partner they want, unhook those partners, solve a puzzle, win the Daily. Uh, Anissa and Logan get the win. Ashley and Huey get last place, and TJ, with his first fake-out of the season, makes them think for a moment that they're done, that they're off the show, but they're not. They're still there. Everyone finally heads to the house together, and when they do, romance flies. We get three, four, five, I couldn't keep track of how many relationships immediately come up just like that. Everyone meets everyone, they party, they actually party, like real partying for the first time in a while on the challenge. 
Emmy spies on Survivor, uh, Survivor's bedroom and sees a list. Michaela then gets called out about that list in deliberation, eventually gets herself and Renan thrown in at the lair, which is what the new elimination round is called this year. At the lair, we find out that the winners of the Daily Challenge, aka the agency, get to pick not a team to go into elimination, but individuals, one male, one female from any team they want. They choose Corey L. and Michelle to go against Michaela and Renan. Corey L. beasts his way through that elimination, gets his duo the win. Michaela, Renan, they're gone. First people out. Nam is also sadly gone. He kind of wasn't there in the second half of the episode. We're assuming, and the internet tells us, likely a COVID-positive test removes him. So in, in Nam's place, Ed from the circle comes in at the last moment. He joins them. A bunch of people switch teams, and the episode ends. Whew! All right, so... That is what happened on this week's episode as well as Monday night's episode. That's everything that happened. Let's go ahead now that we've remembered it all and dive on in to the main storyline of the week. So the main storyline of the week is the Survivor Alliance is created and immediately crumbles before our eyes. First episode, Survivor goes down in flames. Now, There's a ton of storylines. It's the premiere episode, all these new people to talk about, all these new things going on. So the next segment, secondary storylines, we'll try to touch on a bunch of different stuff. But this first one, the main thing, the main, the, you know, the edit of this show, the storyline of this show was the American Survivor Trio coming in, Michelle, Tommy, and Michaela, as kind of the the rookies that stood out above the rest as far as the vets were considered as thinking about threats in the game, thinking about new alliances. The three of those them came in together. Uh, they some different veterans and rookies like wonder out loud: Is there going to be a huge Survivor Alliance? All the global folks that have played Survivor, and it turns out none of them have any interest in an alliance with the American Survivor players. But those three, Michelle, Michaela, and Tommy, are while hesitant about it, are definitely forming an alliance right off the bat. They're familiar with each other. They played a similar game, and they all come with a pedigree. Tommy won his season of Survivor. Michelle won one season and then got runner-up on another, and Michaela, while not having won, was dominating one season before being blindsided and kicked out midway through, and then came back on Game Changers and proved herself again. So a lot of pedigree with those three. The veterans see that, they know that, and they're a little bit scared, as Tori admits in one of the interviews, at the political and strategic abilities of these good Survivor players. So those three are the early target, and they don't do themselves any favors throughout the entire episode of being that target of the veteran squad, which we'll talk about again in the next storyline that's sticking together. But the, the the big plot point that happens to kind of kick everything into high gear for the episode is that Emmy, Survivor Romania player, so again, doesn't care about these Survivor American folks, does the first bit of spy work of the season. She catches Michaela and Michelle going upstairs to meet Tommy in one of the bedrooms, follows them up, and catches them with some sort of list. And Emmy claims this list has three brackets on it, one of them saying people to trust, people not to trust, and then people to throw into elimination. She lets Anissa know, you're on the throw into elimination list. Tori, you're on the do not trust list. This angers them greatly. They let all the vets know. And eventually, the whole house is talking about this list. It becomes the star, you know, object of the episode, if you will. Michaela finds out. Everyone's talking about it. So... She tries to cover her tracks, which she does a 
pretty poor job up. First thing she does is goes right up to Anissa and Tori, says, hey, there, there's a list. The list is of all of the teams. I wrote all the team names down. Let me go get it for you. She comes back down with like a third of a piece of paper, clearly ripped specific portion of a paper ripped off of the whole sheet and shows like, hey, look at this little tiny piece of paper that has like six team names on it. It's just a list of all the team names. I, that's how I think I needed to write everyone out. And they're like, all right, you, this all seems shady. It feels like you're lying. And even if you're not, like, why do you need to write, like, six teams down on a piece of paper? This is all confusing and whatever. She she didn't handle it great. Michelle and Tommy, meanwhile, are like, hey, if, you know, if, if, if I'm not going to call out any of the fellow Survivor players, but, like, if one of us is going down, we all jump and ship, right? Right? Okay, so they're on the same page. They're... They're about to leave Michaela in the dust, which is what happens. We get to the deliberation room, and Michaela, the only good move she even makes is she knows right away, like, hey, we're coming into this deliberation. I'm on the chopping block. I should speak first, which she does. She again tries to pull off the, look, it was just a list of everyone's name. There was no no hard feelings. I'm not targeting anyone. I'm not targeting you, Tori. And it takes all of like one minute for her to stop and for Michelle to just come right over the top and say, actually, every Michaela's lying. Everyone else is telling the truth. It was a list. It had those things on it. Uh, we're not an alliance. You know, I don't, I don't have her back. Michelle and Michaela go back and forth. Tori comes in is like, yo, I'm not targeting anyone. I'm smart enough now as a long-term veteran to not do that. Like, take my name out of your mouth. Don't play like that. Everyone's going at Michaela. And then the final blow as she continues to try to defend herself, is Tommy also flips instantly, like instantly, instantly. And someone just asks him straight up, like, yo, are you going to say something? What was on the list? And Tommy just comes in with, yeah, the list is exactly what Emmy said. Uh, you know, people not to trust, people to trust. And yes, Tori, you were on the don't trust. Anissa, you were on the we were going to throw you in. That's what it was. I wasn't a part. Of, I was just in the room. I wasn't, you know, he tries to play the, I'm not a part of this alliance. I'm trying to tell you guys all the truth. Here you go. Do it what you will. Throw in Michaela. So they all vote. They pretty much, it all seems like everyone votes for Michaela and Renan. They go in. We get to the elimination. And it ends up being survivor versus survivor, rookie versus rookie, with Michelle getting thrown in as well. And not very happy about it. Her and Michaela, you know, ready to go against each other. Eventually, Michaela and Renan get the loss. Corey and Michelle get the win. And Michelle and Tommy both make it clear yet again that the Survivor Alliance, if it even ever existed, it didn't really have time to exist, is done. They're on their own separate paths. They might kind of have each other's back, but there's not enough of them for a full-on alliance. They've separated themselves. They don't want to be those targets. But from the veteran perspective, it seems like regardless of whether they want to think of themselves as alliance, whether they already lost a third of that alliance, they're going to be targets moving forward. So Survivor infiltrating this game in a big way, you know, similar to how Big Brother the last few seasons kind of came in. First with just Josh, then in Polly and Natalie, and then, you know, bringing in Casey Fessy and getting a more, a bit more robust lineup of Big Brother players in the house at the same time. And the last season or two, especially last season on Double Agents, you know, the Big Brother Alliance being a big storyline, carrying the season, getting multiple people to the final from that alliance. They're now kind of receding a tiny bit. It still exists, but no longer do we have Devin shouting Big Brother sucks and said he's joining them. Uh, but now it's Survivor's turn. As all these other shows are starting to bring in people, we're getting people from all kinds of reality shows all over the place. 
And but the big one is survivor folks coming in, both survivor, you know, Romania, Spain, all over the country or the country, excuse me, the world, but the US survivor folks as well infiltrating. It kind of feels like the veterans are on the lookout this time around, as to say, instead of, you know, oh, this is cute, and oh, now there's a bunch of them and they're all good and now they're winning the game. Knowing right away, we ain't letting this survivor thing happen. We're squashing it from the beginning. And those survivor folks sure did crumble and out each other immediately. So maybe they won't fare as well as the Big Brother Alliance has over the last few seasons. In the seasons to come, we will see. But certainly this season, the survivor folks need to be on the lookout. They are a target. All right, so that was your main storyline of the week. Let's transition into a couple of the secondary storylines and talk about some of these amazing brand new folks that we've got on our screens. Let's talk some secondary storylines. Again, premiere episode, there's a ton of stuff going on. They're setting up all kinds of little storylines here and there, little small pieces of info that are probably eventually going to be big storylines later on in the season. So this will be a little bit longer of a secondary storyline section than in future episodes probably. First one to discuss is the Veterans Alliance. As far as alliances go in the house, it was made very clear right away all the vets realize, they look around, and they say, hey, there's a, more rookies than there are vets, and we've got to stick together. That's the best case scenario. A few of them, you know, Tori most notably says, you know, I, I usually uh, get in trouble for trying to make big moves. I think Corey mentioned in there, yeah, you know, kind of me too, or Devin saying, you know, I'm sorry for going after the big brother before. They all agree, we got to go after the rookies. We're sticking together. We're the vets, and they have a veterans truce that as long as there's a rookie to vote for, the rookies will be voted for, and not a moment sooner will a veteran be receiving a vote. So some of those teams that are out there that are rookie, rookie teams, definitely in hot water. But a lot, you know, most of these vets are paired with a rookie. There's only a few teams that are full vet and vet together. So we'll see how long, you know, those teams might have a super advantage. Uh, Kyle and Amanda, um, you know, comes to mind as someone that, you know, gets the benefit of being a fully veteran alliance. But all the vets, they're sticking together. They're trying to get rookies out first. And with the twist of the winning daily challenge team, the agency getting to pick individuals and not full team, it's going to make it a lot easier for these vets to actually select just rookies to go into the elimination, whereas, you know, because they're vet rookie tandems and pairs, if it was team versus team, vet, some vet would have to go in almost every time on one of the, on both teams, even two vets at each time. But with that ability, that's definitely a twist that's going to really impact these rookies' fates if the vets can stick together, if they can stick to that truce, which through one episode seems like it's going to be the case, even though they did have some drama within it, we'll touch on in a moment, but it seems like they are going to be, uh, you know, a force to be reckoned with. If they can stick together, they are going to be able to pick off these rookies one by one if they can stay together. So that was a big storyline is, you know, this veterans versus rookies. Very clearly, that's the case in a lot of seasons. But this one, it seems like they're really building it early on as like, that's the split in the house. That's what it is. And there's enough rookies to make this competitive and they're good enough to make this competitive. But uh, that's where the split's going to be. Next storyline. We've got a ton of new faces, so let's talk about a few of them. There's some that we'll get to talk about in the daily portion and the elimination portion, some of the awards. So let's talk about a few that may not come up anywhere else on this episode. First off, two of my absolute favorites of the new faces that we've got are Tasha and Esther, both from Nigeria, both from Big Brother Nigeria 4. Uh, we talked in our preview posts and podcast about 
our excitement over these two, uh, what they could bring to the game, and they didn't let us down in the first episode. They both looked awesome in the competition. It was kind of hard in the daily to like really suss out you know, athletically where these folks stack up. There was kind of short runs, then just kind of standing around looking at some bricks that they were chopping down, but they both looked like they were going to be able to keep up. Esther especially looking kind of jacked there. So I'm, I'm, she's, you know, we'll talk power rankings at the very end, but uh, definitely my expectations for her on the physical side rose even more. They both had great interview moments. They both in the cocktail hour were already, while they weren't focuses of the cocktail hour because they weren't a part um, of any of the kind of romance or alliance talk that was going on, you could see them in the background definitely like already holding court, bringing the outfits, bringing positive energy. So those two love them so far and just based off them getting while they weren't really a part of the main or even really some of the secondary storylines of the episode, they were getting a lot of interview segment time. I think they both got two or three different interview clips, um, which on an episode with 34 people, that's a lot of airtime to get when you're not in the storyline. So I think that spells good things both for their future on this season as well as maybe in the show in tonal, but loved them. Then we also had the Romanian duo of Emmy and Emmanuel, who had played Survivor Romania together uh, a while ago at this point. But um, while they weren't you know, talked about in connection to each other, and I don't even think it was ever mentioned they were even on the same show or anything, they both made an impact on the first episode. Emmy, as we just talked about, was kind of the one that started off the whole plot of the list and taking down big brother she reveled in her in her ability at the end of the episode as Michaela leaves she says you know I got a fake person out good job Emmy so she mentioned early in the episode she loves the drama she tried to say she's not a drama queen but she loves drama queen she loves drama so she's a drama queen but she loves stirring it up which is great for this show she did a great job as a spy on the first episode um, and she brought just a lot of awesome things to the table so she was amazing as was her Survivor Romania counterpart, Emmanuel, who, again, while similar to Tatcha and Esther, wasn't really a part of the main storyline or really any of the secondary alliance or romance storylines, uh, kind of the romance, actually. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second, but uh, was able to get a bunch of interview time. He was the first one out went at the Daily Challenge, running out to pick partners, the very first one out there. So showing that foot speed, showing that kind of the the seriousness with which he's taking this show and these uh, games, but he was awesome. He was hilarious in the interviews and we'll just touch on it now on the romance side. He somehow has already fallen in love with Michelle, although we've never seen, I don't think they ever showed the two of them talk. They just showed Emmanuel in the interview room saying that he falls very easily and he's already fallen for Michelle. He loves her. He wanted her to stay. So that's great. Love that. He's been awesome. Um, so those four really were kind of the standouts of the brand new, uh, you know, global agents coming in for me that kind of weren't really a part of the other storylines, but were already making an impact just with their interviews, just with their presence in the house. So Tatcha, Esther, Emmy, Emmanuel, definitely rising to the top of the brand new rookie rankings as personal favorites go early on. There's a bunch of them though. We're going to talk eventually about all of them, you know, Berna, Bettina, uh, they both had some fun and funny moments. Huey, definitely we're going to talk about a moment on the Daily Challenge, had some good moments. There's a lot of them to talk about. We will eventually get to all of them as we work through all of these episodes. The final, then the third of the three kind of big secondary storylines after the Vet Alliance, all the new faces, was 
all of the romance. Romance is back in the challenge house. There hasn't been a lot of it the last few seasons with the COVID protocols, with being stuck in a bunker in Prague or Czech Republic, wherever wherever they were in the bunker on Total Madness. There hasn't been a ton of ro- excuse me, a ton of romance to go around. This season, though, they haven't even gotten into their bathing suits and sat by the pool yet. They just got to the first night, first cocktail party, and romance is in the air. We've got Casey and Nani, who uh, we knew were going to be together. It seems like, you know, they, they don't make it totally clear whether they, like, had been an item coming in or they kind of have these discussions in this first episode of, are we an item? We are? Okay, great. Everyone, you know, all right, we're both happy about that. Awesome. So those two are together. Love to see it. That's an awesome couple. Love, love, love watching them, which must be noted. Poor Nani. Poor, poor Nani. Uh, amazing that, you know, she's with Casey. She's got that going. But she gets partnered with Gabo, who she, you know, once they get back to the house, asked, hey, why'd you pick me? And his response is that he thought she was hot. And he, he clearly kind of likes her and thought, you know, you're hot. You're the hottest one here. And uh, that's what I was looking for in a partner. And she's she she handles it very well. Um very sweetly is like, okay, well, we can be partners, you know, but uh, not available and not interested. Even if I was not really interested, not my guy. Um, so poor Nani potentially having to deal with that all season with her partner, uh, potentially, you know, wanting to be with her romantically and her having zero interest in already being taken and having to put up with that. So great for Nani, the Cole Casey thing. Bummed for Nami that she might have to deal with Gabo. Hopefully she can get him straightened out and focused on the game a little more than her face or partying as it seems like his main focuses were the first episode we then get ashley and nelson who we find out ashley recently moved to austin texas and lives right down the street from nelson which led to the two of them getting together not boyfriend girlfriend but maybe but definitely hooking up and definitely you know getting real close in this first episode not afraid to have everyone see them kissing and cuddling and whatnot my main question with that one is as uh, eventually we'll talk about you know amanda ashley's bestie not necessarily a big fan of it a little worried about ashley getting romantically involved with anyone in the house but my question for nelson is what about hunter dude like I thought that Hunter back in the day was, you know, Team Young Buck, like that it was the three of them. It wasn't just Corey and Nelson, but they've kind of, you know, Hunter hasn't been on for a few seasons in a row now. He's kind of went by the wayside, I guess. Either he's not a part of Team Young Buck anymore, or they just don't care that Ashley took a half a million dollars from him. You can't do that to your boy. If he's your boy, you can't be dating Ashley. So big question there. I don't know if anyone will ever mention it again. Hunter not anywhere to be seen on the season, obviously. So Maybe that'd be a great mercenary choice to bring in. I don't think they're going to be able to do any mercenaries because of the COVID restrictions and everything, but that'd be awesome if he did come in and had to go against Nelson's like, yo, thought we were boys. What are you doing with her? Uh, But those two are together, as are Ashley's best friend, Amanda, and Nelson's current enemy, Fessy, who both... Amanda claims to not like Fessy, but her decision is that she dislikes him so much and she's so annoyed by him talking that if she just makes out with him, she doesn't have to listen to him talk, which is fabulous. Great, great deduction there. But Fessy and Amanda immediately go out on their own, have a little makeout sesh, get caught by Corey. (laughs) Fessy's all about it. He's like, I don't care. That's great. You see what you see. Corey, go for it. Amanda, a little more. Uh, like, ah, no one was supposed to see that sort of thing, but Fessy and Amanda together a little bit, maybe we'll see. Um, there's then a big powwow between those four people, Nelson and Fessy kind of have it out. Like, 
where do we stand? Nelson's still rightfully very, very pissed off about what happened last season. Ashley and Amanda, they're like, this is already awkward, four of us. You guys don't really like each other. You used to be really good friends. Maybe you could be a friends again, but we don't really want you to be. Come on, you did Falsy like that. It's all over the place with those four. Um, and then the other potential romance we've got brewing is Kells and Tori, who immediately become partners. They're, if it wasn't for being separated at the end, would have been tippy-top of the power rankings, at, as we'll talk about at the end of the episode. Kells and Tori, though, hitting it off over a game of pool, Tori mentions that God has done her dirty by, you know, thinking she was going to avoid the guys, focus on the game, and then here comes this beautiful big old man, Kells, as her partner. And so there's a little bit of something brewing there, but again, they are separated as partners, which may make it easier to have the romantic side later on. We will see. And then finally, as mentioned, Emmanuel in love with Michelle. Don't think they've actually spoken a word to each other yet, but uh, he's in love with her. So that's great. So a lot of romance in the air, probably a lot more to come. The, the This season on showed a lot of kissing of people. We couldn't totally tell from the quick glimpses of it, but a lot of romance in the air, a lot of hooking up, a lot of drama because of it, it looks like coming in our future. That's definitely going to be a reoccurring storyline throughout the season. So that's it for the vet storylines. Let's go ahead and dive on in to the sport element. Let's talk daily challenge next. Our daily challenge, which opened the episode, which again, apologies to anyone that missed the Monday night, but having watched that Monday night special first episode, having this episode literally start with boom, moment one, they're on the start line. We're going into the challenge. We're finding new partners. It was very exciting. It was a very fun way to start. So loved that. Uh, the actual, let's just briefly say the actual challenge itself, um, go out, find a partner, and there's a bunch of bricks in a stack with very obvious numbers and colors and whatever written on the side, but then a chain that goes all the way through all those bricks that you have to smash the bricks, get the chain out, pick up this safe, run the safe over to a little decoder, decode, open the safe, run a little gem over to the finish line. All in all, uh, pretty solid uh, daily challenge. Did like it. You're never going to start, you know, with, you know, they're not going to do first challenge trivia or anything like that. So, um They've gotten better and better over the years at doing these like part physical, part puzzle challenge. I really, really liked this one. I liked the kind of fake out of like, you're going to have to smash all these bricks, but pay attention first. We'll come back to that in a second. So overall, good job, challenge producers. Really fun first challenge in a beautiful setting. It's going to come up a lot this year, but the beach on Croatia where they're at, unbelievable. It is beautiful. Every there, every, every wide shot, every overhead shot, stunning stuff. So Great challenge overall. Now let's talk about actually what actually happened within that challenge. The first and the most important part of the whole thing wasn't didn't really matter, and it mattered a little bit, who won, who lost, all that. What mattered was just picking the partners. The daily kind of came second to, there was kind of the first portion of the challenge, which is just, all right, you 17 global agents, you're running out, and when you get out to this beach, which, I don't know, it looked like they maybe had to run like 100 yards or so through, a little field, not all that far, uh, but enough that they could separate themselves into different, uh, you know, they could, people could get a lead. They run out and they get to pick a partner. Most of these people are rookies. They have no idea who these people are out there. They've just seen these little resumes. Maybe they've watched the show before. There are a couple of them vets like the Kyle and the big T's of the group have an idea of who's out there and who they could be picking. But they get to run out. And that, that is where the strategy really kicked in and that was kind of its own challenge was picking partners was like challenge number one. And then once everyone had their partner, there was like the actual daily challenge that followed it. But Emmanuel 
showing showing his stuff early on, gets the lead on Kells, gets the first out on the beach, gets first pick, and very, very smart. Picks Casey. Very brilliant pick. Great job, Emmanuel. Smart. If you're going to get top pick of all those women that were standing out there, Casey's the odds-on favorite. Like that, That's who you got to pick for sure. So he picks Casey. That's very smart. Kells gets out second. He also very smartly goes straight for Tori, yells her name, finds her, picks her. Boom, power team right there off the bat. So first two people out. Very smart choices. Kyle gets out there third. And again, actually, we think third. The way they edit this, we have no idea if we're actually seeing these in order of who gets picked, but I'm pretty sure Emmanuel, Kells, Kyle were the first three out. It's kind of a wide shot. We see them in the lead. Um, after that, it kind of becomes a little more confusing who's picking who, who's actually just left with like, I guess you're my partner, um, who maybe picked someone over another person who is actually available. But Kyle is the third. And at first glance, he picks Amanda. And at first glance, I'm like, what are you doing? That was a poor choice. But then at the end, after I thought about it for a second, I'm actually like, probably it was absolutely his best choice. Uh, he wanted a vet which was smart. He was like, I know, you know, I'm one of the only veterans of all these 17 people running out. I have one of the only spots available to be a vet, vet team. And Tori and Casey were gone. After that, you know, everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. So he decided it's either Ashley or Amanda. And he went with Amanda, which I actually think is the right call. So he gets Amanda. Then we get Nam picks Michelle. Josh picks Lauren. Logan picks Anissa. And the Logan picking Nisa was uh, very entertaining. They obviously go on to win this one, but Logan back at the house when they're all looking at the resumes, uh, everyone, Kyle kind of jokingly knowing that Anissa was kind of getting picked on last season is like, oh, like she's the best. She's super best. She's been here forever. You got to pick her. You got to pick her. And a few people like notice his kind of sarcasm about it, but Logan like seemed to have actually fallen for it and then comes out and does like finds Anissa, picks her right away. So good choice, by the way. Obviously, they win this daily. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the dailies and eliminations. And it's a long way to that final. So if you would want to switch partners or if she would want to switch partners before then, great. So great choice. Pick the super vet. Pick an all-star. Pick a knees up. Good job by him. Um, and then, you know, everyone else kind of picks their teams. The only one really to point out is that Berna picks CT, which is definitely, uh, you know, a team to be reckoned with. And it was hilarious. CT is kind of hiding poking his head out, seeing who are these people running out here? Do I want to be partners with any of one? And he definitely learned from his mistakes on the last season, the double agents, where he turns down Cam, uh, eventually, you know, leaves CT, or leaves Big T, CT leaves CT, CT leaves Big T for Cam. He had a bit of a struggle with, like, how he went about picking his partner. This time around, very cordial. Verna walks up to him, says, hello, how are you doing? Would you like me as a partner? He says, sure. I don't know. Like, if you want to be, it's your decision and their partners. So she gets CT. She gets the big reward, which a bunch of other women get to pick their partners first. And that CT wasn't the first choice of every one of these people is insane. I was really, really, really hoping that Big T would get out there with the opportunity to pick CT, which, again, maybe she did. Uh, it's hard to tell by the edit, but it seems like she was one of the last ones to come out. But she got an awesome partner in Tommy, Big T, and as he says, I'll be Little T, which I love, love, love. He's a huge, tall guy. Um, so hilarious all around. Love that team. Tasha gets Jeremiah. Everyone gets a partner. They smash the shit out of their bricks, which is the main thing to talk about. It'll come up again on the worst strategy. But somehow, there is 15 vets out there. They have done this game a lot of times. CT, Anissa, Tori, 
Kyle, you guys have done this a lot. Corey, Nelson, all, all of you guys have done this a lot. And yet, almost without fail, every single team just ignores the numbers and the colors and everything that's going on in the bricks and just says, smash the shit out of it. Let's go. Get this chain out. They all do. And then they, of course, run over to their decoder and realize, ah, shit, I bet those numbers and letters and colors meant something, which, of course, they did. So I couldn't believe that. It was stunning that, you know, especially CT and Anissa. Come on, guys. You're, you've been around a long, long time. Nani, you too. I'm not letting you off the hook. 11th season. How in the world... Did they not immediately say, stop, 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 don't smash a thing, let's memorize all these numbers. So they all, everyone has to go back. Thankfully for some teams, they didn't smash up as much or, you know, they're a little more easily able. CT does finally bring that vet knowledge. It's like, all right, Berna, find three letters, memorize them. I'll find three, memorize them. We'll go back, put it in, we'll come back, we'll do it. Very smart about how they do it. Eventually, though, Anissa and Logan are the first to get their... Uh, their chest unlocked, their safe, excuse me, unlocked. They get their gem and they run into the finish line. They take first place, coming right behind them, Renan and Michaela, which great showing you eventually are out of the game though. So that's unfortunate. Tori and Kel showing that strength early, get the third and Emmanuel and Casey that fourth. So those two first choices, choice one and choice two coming in second and, or in third and fourth, showing their strength right away. And in last place, already showing the mental breakdown First one early on, Ashley and Huey. Uh, Ashley can't stand Huey's voice the whole time. He's talking too much for her. Um, and uh, she, you know, they get upset. They get locked out. They end up finishing way, way in last place. And TJ with his first fake out of the season. We get a cliffhanger going into an, uh, a, t a commercial break where he says, you're out for, and then comes back. And, and he's kidding. Yeah, they're not out at all. If it happens again, he says. So, Get a fake out. We think they're gone. They're not. At, uh, Anissa and Logan get their first win. And Anissa, big, big shout out. Second season in a row that she wins the first daily challenge. Stepping up, showing that veteran savvy, showing her abilities, getting that win, getting that power right from the start, taking the reins of the season again. So awesome start for her for the second season in a row. Awesome showing for Logan. First daily, first win. That's amazing. We get a lot out of it overall. Great first challenge. Really fun. Love that they get to pick their partners. Love that they get to pick their partners based a little bit on athletic ability of like, you got to run out there. So, you know, there's some, it's not just like pull out of a hat or, you know, you get to go first. Go ahead and pick anything like that. I like that all around good first challenge. Now let's move from the challenge to the other sporting event, the daily, or excuse me, geez, the eliminations, the first episode. We'll get there. Onto the elimination. We end the episode with an elimination between Renan and Michaela and Corey L and Michelle. And it's a great elimination. Uh, it's a very good game. The game itself is one we've seen before. I think we've seen it a few times. The one that's kind of the most notable it stands out is on Dirty 30. We saw Hunter and Nelson do a one-on-one -on -one version of this game. This one, a 2v2. Everyone strapped to each other's back in a little circle. And on a platform with a ramp on either side, you've got to pull your opponent off the other side. This one, it's a brutal one. This would be super hard to actually do. It's so awkward, especially the one-on-one -on -one is one thing. Again, I can't believe I just said this, but the most notable version of this would honestly be the Bananas Backpack on Cutthroat. Um, so can't believe I just did that, but we're going to leave it in. Anyways, so we've seen it a few times before. We've I don't think 
ever seen of 2v2 version, which makes it all the more awkward, way more limbs and bodies flying around up there trying to pull in each direction, getting caught on top of each other. And in the end, keep it short and sweet, Corey L dominates this. Um, and at some point, I, I don't want to keep doing Corey W, Corey L. Um, I don't know. I guess you watch the show. If I just say Corey or Corey, you probably know which one I'm talking about. But for the time being, we'll do Corey L and Corey W. So Corey L, rookie, gets his moment to shine in episode one. Big old guy coming in. We did get uh, all praise to Corey himself, who responded to our Instagram preview post about him to confirm for us. He's 6'3", which in the challenge world is, might as well be 7'5". He's a giant compared to a lot of these folks. Personal trainer, big old dude, and definitely put himself on the map early as a force to be reckoned with. You know, the Kells and Gabo uh, and, you know, Fessy and CT coming back as vets. We're all kind of getting the, all the like, Look at these big old dudes walking around the house this time when Coriel let him know at the end, y'all should be focused on me because he dominated this thing right from the jump. The moment it started, he's able to pull everyone down to his side. They get down to the edge of their side, right on the edge of victory very, very quickly, which then at that moment, depending, you know, they always edit these things. We never know. We're not watching like a full start to stop version of it, but it the way they edit it at least or what seemed to be, he gets him down there, but he can't quite get him over the edge, at least not right away. Michaela finds her footing, puts up a huge fight from underneath, getting no help from Renan, who gets kind of stuck on top of everyone else, just kind of flailing, can't get his footing. Michelle's grabbing his legs. Corey's grabbing his legs. Michaela's trying to grab Michelle's limbs, not really working, but she holds on for a long, long time, does a great job, puts up an awesome fight. But in the end, Corey is able to get his feet over the edge and use that pull himself forward and eventually pull all of them down on top of him gets the victory for he and Michelle. Now must be said, um, I think it might've even been a Nisa, which makes me even more upset that it was said, but someone does make the bananas backpack reference and says, Corey's got a backpack, a fanny pack, a waist bag, all this stuff. I get it, you know, and especially I get it actually from Anissa. I get that, you know, you're the one that's going to make these references. You've been there forever. It is a great clip. It is a great soundbite. But let's be honest. Corey Beast dominated this, but this was no backpack scenario. Please, he did win this one verse. I mean, not one verse three, but he pulled all three people down. Michelle kind of helping, not really. But let's not let's not make the comparisons to the best moment in best physical moment in challenge history, shall we? All right, CT's standing right up there. He's, he's seeing this too. So Corey dominates, they get the win, and it's a great first elimination. As for, we should actually just quickly touch on the layer, which is what the elimination round is called this year. We love it. It's beautiful. It's kind of like a, a Croatian Red Rocks amphitheater almost with like big rock walls on either side. They've got a huge platform for them all to stand up on and watch. Great seating for them to watch. Um, and all around love the vibe, love the name. The layer is hilarious and fun and awesome all at the same time. So love all that. That is the elimination. Corey and Michelle get their first wins in their first try in the elimination ring. And Corey definitely stamps his name as someone to be reckoned with in this game, putting that physical prowess on display early. So let's move into our final sections of the podcast. Let's go ahead and talk about some awards. All right, it's awards time. We've got a few of them to hand out. The first one or first two are going to be both best strategy and worst strategy um, so that we can dive into 
you know, who's playing this game in a smart and calculated way and who maybe isn't so much. So let's start on the positive side. Let's start best strategy. Four nominees for the best strategy this week, and I'm including that Monday night episode because our first nominee is Kyle, who I think the strategy of coming in with all these other rookies, he's a part of the global folks coming into the house. He immediately knows and is smart, plays host, kind of tells everyone how it all works, kind of takes the center of attention, takes the reins. Everyone's kind of looking at him, not in a threatening way, but as a like, all right, this guy will help us out. He makes us feel calm, whatever. He's making us laugh. So him playing host on that first night that they're all there, definitely good strategy by Kyle. Second nominee would be the vets sticking together in the whole veteran alliance all of them realizing there's more rookies than us, but our best chance is, you know, most of us like each other anyways. Why not just be friends? The Vet Alliance, good strategy all by them, although obvious strategy, but good strategy all the same. And then third nominee is a tie between Emmanuel and Kells, who very smartly, at least from my point of view, if I was one of the first two people out onto that beach getting to pick a female partner, Casey and Tori being the first two picks was very, very good strategy from those two folks and I'll even throw in Berna for getting CT and getting her getting him excuse me late um in you know a lot of other guys being chosen first her knowing and being the only one I guess that was smart enough to be like where's CT let's find him hiding over there and get him so those three all nominated for their choices in partners and then the fourth one fourth nominee and final nominee for the best strategy goes to Devin who we see at the very end of the episode at first, we it feels like Michelle picks Devin as her new partner, and it feels like, oh, whoa, Devin? Like, that's a surprise kind of out of nowhere. And then they roll the tape back, and they show Devin, as she's scanning the crowd, kind of leans a little back and kind of points to himself a little bit and says quietly, pick me, um, who, you know, his partner is first partner Tracy we don't know almost anything about yet we don't haven't got a good vibe on her but Michelle comes with a pedigree wins that first elimination is definitely a female to be reckoned with so definitely a good choice for Devin to lean back and say you know what I'll take this person I'll take this survivor winner like let's go pick me upgrade me and my partner so that very quiet in the background strategy huge moment for him and I will go ahead and say I'm going to give him the award for that best strategy with you know everyone else. They made good picks. The vets sticking together. That's great. Kyle being the host. But that really subtle move by Devin, definitely the best strategic moment of the episode. Then let's go negative. Let's talk worst strategy. Three nominees here. The first, the obvious one is Michaela. Don't make a list of people you want to eliminate on the first day. Come on. That's just, you know, like that's just 101. Um, you probably don't make that list anytime during the season but certainly not on the first day maybe later in the season if you've got a very strong alliance and you and that alliance that's running the thing you know wants to say who what order do we want to pick people off that's one thing but first day making that list without a big alliance without a lot of friends being the new person bad bad move and then compounding it don't lie about the list don't come down with a third of a piece of paper with a couple names on and be like this is the whole list i swear like this is it don't 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 just don't uh Bad strategy from the whole way, and it led to Michaela exiting. Second nominee for bad strategy, Anissa, who had a good episode um, all around. She gave the toast. That was amazing, stepping in as the new toast giver on the first night. She wins the first uh, daily, as we talked about. She's clearly one of the leaders of the Veteran Alliance. Everyone likes her. Everyone's looking up to her. All that great, but what in the hell is she doing putting Corey L into the elimination? They get there. They're part, her and Logan are part of the agency, and initially, what her desire is, you know, Emmy was the one that called out um, 
Michaela, I want to put Emmy in versus her to take her out. And, you know, I like Corey, but he's Emmy's partner. So that's what we're going to do. But then when they find out, we get to pick individuals, not teams. For some reason, she still picks Corey L. And he goes in for no reason at all, which Corey and Anissa rode in together. He was, you know, befriended her. She talked in the pre-shows how she loves having, you know, the LGBTQ representation on the show. Um, They seem to be had been off to a good friendship to start in picking picking him one he was gonna win he's he's huge again he's proved himself physically very easily in the elimination so he's a threat um he's a new person that you claim to like and from the u.s could have you know brought in as one of the rookies that would have maybe been easily gettable for the veteran alliance so no reason to pick this guy um and now you've got uh you know a threat in the game that's targeting you coming back in so bad move by Anissa because then it compounds it by they don't even pick Emmy they then they don't pick his partner they pick Michelle instead so he's just in there for no reason um so bad strategic move there by Anissa and then the third one is also Emmy I know her strategy worked I know her spying worked it was a great it was flawless she did a great job as she tells herself at the end you know good job Emmy you did it um loved that but it's really bold to come into the game and say day one hey I'm here I'm here for drama. I'm here to wreck some stuff. I'm here to, I'm picking an enemy day one and saying, I want that person. I'm going to get him out. I'm going to do everything I can and then be happy about doing it. It feels like Emmy's about to just be like, all right, you're next, you're next. And she's just going to go. She's going to be a big part of the storyline. But strategically, as a rookie, um, while it worked on the first time, if this is your move, is, is every episode, every you know round through a daily and an elimination, you're going to be like, I want to be the one making the decisions. I want to be the one picking who's going home. Long term, that's not a great strategy. Short term, it worked great. It was awesome. But long term, not the great strategy. So for the worst strategy, Michaela, Anissa, Emmy are three nominees. And even though Michaela went off the show, you know, that's that's rough enough. I'm giving this award to Anissa because I just I just don't ex- I don't understand it. I don't understand how someone played the game that long. So smart. She's always played so smart. She's got a political savvy game. Why they went with Corey, it didn't make any sense to me. That's the worst strategy I saw on this episode. Then we go to best quote. Let's give out the best quote. We've got four nominees. We're going to hear all of them. The first one, Esther. Uh, you know, thrilled about her partner choice in Fessy early on, but then as Fessy gets caught up in the Nelson drama and now he's in a romance with Amanda, Esther kind of regretting her decision after the fact. Let's hear what she had to say. Why did I pick Messy Fessy? I don't think Messy Fessy. That's a great nickname. I hope that one sticks around from time to time. Then we've got Gabo, who uh, was definitely prevalent as one of the rookies that even though he wasn't in some of the main storylines, definitely around. We talked about him earlier, kind of being a little bit creepy with Nani already, but he also is a very honest man. He comes right out and lets us know that maybe he isn't the physical threat that he looks like. Take it away, Gabo. I don't really know about this game, alliance, friends, fake friends, enemies, challenges. I look like sporty, but I definitely have popcorn muscles, to be honest. I'm happy that Nani did 11 seasons, which is great. She has experience, and that's what I need. <laughs> I mean, you got you got to love the honesty. You know, he emits popcorn muscles. And, you know, that's 
that we appreciate that around here. We appreciate the honesty. We appreciate knowing maybe not as big of a physical threat as his stature would indicate. Then we've got Ashley, who early in the daily challenge, Huey comes up, picks her, and is talking and talking and talking. And Ashley lets it be known via interview quote that she's not here to talk. She's here to win and has one of uh, just an amazing quote. Take it away, Ashley. Huey's trying to ask me where I'm from while we're in the middle of this challenge. I am from your nightmares. Pick up that sledgehammer and get to work. He does get to work. They don't, you know, obviously, as we talked about, don't work very well together, at least in the first daily coming in last. But great quote there from Ashley, as always. And then the fourth and final one is Emmy, who describes her um, interest or non-interest or interest or whichever one it is in drama. Let's go ahead and hear her thoughts on drama. Ready for some drama. I like drama. Although I, I, I'm not a drama queen, but I love drama queens. I'm a little bit extra sometimes. Yeah, a little bit salty, a little bit spicy. But I'm trying to handle myself. So I'm going to go on a limb and say she is a drama queen. I think someone that loves drama and loves other drama queens and likes having the drama around that's a drama queen to me, uh, I guess, um, some form of it. So those are your four nominees for best quote. And I've got to give it to the vet. Three rookies coming in strong with some good quotes, some good interview clips. But Ashley with the I am from your nightmares, pick up that sledgehammer and get to work is just fantastic stuff. Um, so Ashley gets the award for the best quote. Let's move on to then the best moment of the week. Three nominees. The first one, the first moment of the entire show is TJ's entrance. This guy, he's always had an amazing life on this show. From You know, first season, season 11, Gauntlet 2, he's got an awesome job. He's got a job everyone would desire, every fan of the show desires. He's done amazing with it. He's the best host on television. Give this man an Emmy. We talk about it all the time. But regardless, over the years, his job's got even cooler and even cooler. He's got more and more toys, and he's, especially in the last three, four, five seasons, really upped his level, clearly going to production and being like, yo, I don't want to just show the tank rolling up. I want to I want to be in the tank. I want to be in the helicopter. I want to be all he's he's getting to play with all the toys in this season. He literally starts the whole show. First he's on a fucking yacht, a huge yacht in the Croatian, you know, off the sea in Croatia. Then he's immediately in uh what I don't know cars very well, but uh got to be multi-million dollar sports car driving all over. Then he's on a motorcycle. He's got literally all of the toys. That long entrance of TJ opening the season, having all these toys. That was best moment nominee number one. Then second nominee, Tori and Kells playing pool. I just loved everything about those two playing pool. The little banter they were having back and forth. The kind of flirting, kind of not. Kind of just talking each other up as partners. Calling to talking each other up as like... I'm attracted to you. The whole thing, the interviews with both of them, that whole thing, it was just it was just cute. It was adorable. It was fun. It was great television. Loved the two of them playing pool. That's moment number two nominee. And then third and final one, not just the nominee, but also the winner, the best moment of the episode, goes to Devin, who we, we have a birthday party for Michelle and Logan. And in that birthday party, you need a cake. Someone's got to bring a cake out. So Devin takes it upon himself to put on his thong, put on his best blazer and come out with the cake, present himself, take the blazer off, do a little dance, and then jump on into the pool. Everyone loved it. They ate it up. We ate it up. Um, Devin, best moment of the episode by far, um, coming out in that outfit, doing his dance, presenting the cake, jumping in the pool. Awesome, awesome stuff. Which leads us finally to our MVP of the episode, the final award, the MVP 
it's hard with 34, 34 contestants on the show. I mean, the 35th, because we already had Nam left um, and Ed coming in. But with all those people, you know, Anissa and Logan, they got the daily wins. So that's great. Anissa, you know, definitely got, you know, she gave the first toast. She's at the center of a lot of the storyline. She's, you know, the leader, one of the leaders of the vets. She's definitely a strong nominee, but because she had that horrible strategic move, at least horrible in my mind, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Um, easily could be. I can't say I know better how to play this game than Nisa of all people. So, uh, but because I think that strategic move she made at the end wasn't the best one, she can't be the MVP. Corey, uh, who was on the brunt of that bad strategic move, wins the elimination, kind of sets himself up as a threat to be reckoned with. Um, but Maybe, you know, wasn't quite enough around the rest of the episode. Definitely a nominee. Definitely got some votes for MVP, but doesn't win it. The winner is going to be the man we just briefly talked about a couple different times on a couple different awards. Two awards already won, a third under his belt. Devin is the MVP of this episode. Now, look, he didn't win a daily. He didn't win an elimination, um, but he did a lot. And he's clearly, he's one of the faces of the show. I would say Devin, Tori, Anissa, CT, Fessy, Casey, Josh, you know, pretty much all of the vets that they have back are kind of the faces of this show at this point. A lot of them are on their, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth straight season. But Devin is clearly, you know, he dominated last show, uh, Double Agents. We talked about that in the preview pod. Um, And he's clearly dominates his first episode again. From that moment we talked about, of you know, presenting the cake and being kind of having the big moment of the party to joining the Big Brother Alliance, to being a part of the scheming, the vets coming together, making sure, you know, it's known we're not voting for each other, to making that great strategy move at the end, signaling, getting himself an upgrade in partner, getting Michelle as a partner potentially giving him a shot at being a part of both the vets and whatever rookie, whatever's left of Survivor, you know, whatever comes up against the vets, being able to play both sides a little bit. And just all in all, you know, the great interview quotes. He didn't he didn't come up for quote of the week, but he could have. He had a couple great interviews, dominated the episode. Devin off to another fast start in being one of the stars of this season. He is our MVP. And that is our last award. So finally, let's finish out the episode. Let's move into a quick power rankings and one or two quick predictions, and we'll get on out of here and head on to episode two. All right, let's wrap it up with some power rankings and predictions, plus a little bonus. We got to say goodbye to our guy, Nam. But first, power rankings. So we've got all these new teams, all these new people, and then at the end of the episode, we find out that a bunch of people switch teams. Love, just quick note on the format. Um, so we are just doing, you know, it's Double Agents 2 now. I, it's, it's okay that they're calling it Spies, Lies, and Allies, but it's Double Agents 2. It's the same thing as last season with the added twist that instead of team versus team, the agency gets to pick individuals to go into the elimination, which we covered earlier, may mean bad things for the rookies, but it means a lot of teams will be switching throughout, which means the power rankings are going to probably be switching throughout episode to episode as well. So we will keep you updated on where our personal power rankings are. We're always going to do a top five, at least for the first portion of the season, and these power rankings are a reflection of who we think will make the final early in the season. It's not who's going to win necessarily, but who power rankings of folks that are going to make the final that are most confident are going to make the final and potentially win, but more focused on just making the final for now. Later in the season, we'll kind of transition to who's going to win this thing purely. So power rankings, top of the rankings from the start, it's got to be CT and Berna. Um, CT is going to come up in the predictions here in a moment, but, uh, you know, reigning champ, you know, the OG legend in the house, 
Um, you know, looking trim, looking good, keeping laying low classic CT from, you know, classic second period stage CT laying low from the start tries to, you know, sit back, wait for someone to come pick him, which he gets a good partner in Berna. I find out more about this, you know, athletic background in the circus as a child. She seems like a badass. Um, we learned in our, uh, looking her up in the preview, she, you know, she's fought in past uh, seasons of shows, she's been on on Survivor. She got kicked off for fighting, so her and CT a match made in heaven in that realm. But no one talking about you know her in the rookies at all yet. No one really talking about C- throwing CT's name in. All that talk of like let's get the big dog out has quieted down so far this season. So CT and Berna in my top spot. Tori and Corey come in at number two on my power rankings. Tori and Kells would have been number two. They were an awesome team, but she's stolen by Corey. Corey again talked at length already about really uh showed a lot in the first episode physically he looks like a dominant physical guy to be reckoned with in this show teaming up with one of the dominant physical females in tory and just a great relationship of u.s rookie with a vet and with a vet that's kind of clearly being one of the ones whose opinion matters in that vet alliance. So Tori Corey, number two, Casey Emmanuel, number three, had a good showing in the daily challenge. Emmanuel with that dancing background, seems like he's got the athleticism to keep up with who arguably the top athletic female Casey in the house. So, um, going to be able to, you know, similar to Corey and Tori, you know, in that vet alliance and also one of the rookies that's a little more off to the side, a little more shifty, able to kind of go wherever they want as the alliances unfold. So I love those team at number three. Number four, Fessy and Esther. Uh, Fessy, you know, two for two on finals, definitely a threat physically in the game, but partnered with Esther, who, again, I mentioned earlier, we didn't get to see a lot of other than some awesome interview clips, but just the brief glimpses we got of her in the Daily Challenge 1, looking like we were packing some muscle there, definitely bringing it. And then also, too, the thing that Fessy noted that he liked out of her and that I definitely loved in that one, you know, Lolo Jones would have loved if she was on this season is that, you know, they saw three teams go off in front of them. They clearly weren't going to win. But the moment they get their thing open, Esther is boom. She's sprinting out. She's like, we're finishing strong and hard and we're we're running. And that was a great sign for just how serious she's taking the competitive side. So I like that that team as uh, not making a lot of noise in this first episode. But Fessy and Esther, messy Festy and Esther, if you will, um, coming in at four and then tied for fifth. I know I said five only, but we'll do six. Uh, tied for fifth, Big T and Tommy and Devin and Michelle. Both Big T and Devin, I think, as the vets are going to do a lot as far as politically and socially in this game, being tied to then those two remaining U.S. Survivor players, Tommy and Michelle, with their pedigrees. And even though you know things didn't go great for the Survivor folks on this first episode, I do think those two are going to be around for a while. Tommy and Michelle both, you know, seem both. We know they have the political and the social. Um, at least did on Survivor, if that can translate or if everyone, you know, is so against them, it can't. But they both physically seem like they've got it as well. So I like both those teams having a savvy vet with a good Survivor U.S. rookie. So Big T and Tommy, Devin and Michelle tied for my fifth place spot. That's our power rankings. We'll see if CT and Berna can hold down that top spot for weeks to come. As for predictions, I have three predictions for you. And again, um, I will try to say this as often as I can, but there are no spoilers here. I do not check any of the spoiler sites. Um, I do not. I try to avoid all that stuff uh, as much as I possibly can, and I usually do a very good job of doing it. So these predictions are always going to be just purely mine. I've watched the episode. I don't know anything that you don't know. Just me making some predictions. I've got three of them for you. First one, Tori 
is going to have, at minimum, five partners this season. She is going to be somewhat of the Corey of last season, although Corey last season just kept, his partners kept getting sent home. I think Tori this season is going to be the one that, at almost every episode, potentially, whoever wins the elimination is be like, I want her. I want her as my partner. She's got this big alliance. She's really good physically. She's, you know, fun and good socially. So I want her, I envision her being, you know, whether it's, Kells repeatedly going in there and be like, I want my partner back and getting her back. Corey doing the same thing or some of the vets being, you know, wanting, I really, uh, I guess we'll just add it to this in the next week on, or this season on, we get a, a moment where Tori and CT are off to the side talking and, and CT's like growling almost at her, but like maniacally, not, no, not sexually in any way, but like, like they got some big master plan. So I kind of, I feel like a CT Tori, shoe in to win if those two could get partnered up and make it to a final um, but i think see uh, tori is gonna have at least five partners maybe more second prediction fessy will be the first vet the rookies target when the rookies decide i'm sure they're gonna get their act together probably next episode even and say like all right it's vets versus rookies who are we going for who are we vote for i feel like fessy is gonna be the one that they're like you know he seems to have some fractures within the team he's a big dog he's a big guy let's get that big dog out I think he's going to be their first target. And then my third and final prediction, I said it coming into the season, and I am not wavering. CT is going to be your back-to-back champion. CT is going to win Spies, Lies, and Allies. I, I'd put a lot of money on this, frankly. Um, I feel good about this prediction. Uh, is it that ballsy of a choice? You know, there's still 32 of them in the game. So in that respect, yes, to just claim I know who's going to be one of probably the two winners of the season. But he's going to win. I just think he's going to win. So that's my prediction. CT's going to win. Now, that would be the end of the episode. But very quickly, we've got to say goodbye to Nam. Um, if you guys listen to the preview show, if you saw my preview posts about him, I love, love, love Nam. I am so, so sad that for the second season in a row, he just gets horrible luck. Last season, you know, having the tumultuous partnership with Lolo that kind of broke him down a little bit mentally and then going out with the horrible back injury. So excited that they brought him back this season. He was going to get to shine. He was going to get a new partner. He's going to, you know, and he got a great partner in Michelle. And then he just kind of mysteriously disappears after the daily challenge. He's not back in the house. He's not in the deliberation. He's not at the the final or the, the elimination. And TJ announces that, you know, Nam has been removed from the game. They don't say it in it, but we assume in um, trying to check some of the those spoilery type areas without actually seeing much, we pretty much know that Nam, you know, tested positive for COVID or maybe contact tracing or something, but COVID related potentially was pulled from the house. And so Nam's out and gosh, it's just some such a bummer. I mean, so awesome. He, he had great moments just in that first preview show. Um, so here's the hoping that Nam can be brought back and given a true chance can get some good luck next time around. But MTV, if you're listening, Buna Murray casting, whoever does the casting, you do an awesome job. Keep doing an awesome job. Bring Nam back. Give this guy another chance. He's amazing. Everyone loves him. I love him. I think any any fans out there love this guy. And it's so sad that we're already seeing someone get pulled for the COVID. You know, it is bound to happen as their you know second straight, almost third straight really season dealing with the COVID stuff. So um, super bummer. You don't want it to happen to anyone. You really don't want it to happen to Nam. So pouring one out for you, buddy. We love you. We love Nam. We want him back. Please bring him back. And with while we say goodbye to Nam, we will also quickly, because we didn't get to cover him in the previews of the show, say hello to Ed. Ed is here. 
Ed, if you have never seen him or had no idea who that was running onto the screen at the end of the episode, Ed is from the Netflix show The Circle from season one, which is thankfully another show I've actually watched and I'm actually a fan of Ed. Ed's hilarious. On The Circle, if you don't know, it's a, they're all trapped in little apartments. It's a purely played through social media uh, game where they only talk and communicate with each other through pictures and posts and texts basically on their TVs while they're all in apartments next to each other. Ed played the game with his mom there, which was hilarious. And then his brother Mitchell was actually on season two of the show. Uh, Ed's hilarious. He's a great time. And he's also, I mean, he was athletic and in good shape when he was on the circle. They, there was no physical element to that show, but he usually walk around in a cutoff or shirtless a lot. And you, you could tell built guy, but Coming in here with the flow, with the hair, and built. I mean, dude's been hitting the weights for sure. He's filling out that Under Armour gear big time. So Ed's going to be a great time. If you haven't seen that show, if you don't know anything about him, I promise you he's going to be entertaining on this show. And it looks like he's also going to be a physical threat. So love having Ed in. Horrible, horrible, though, that it has to come at Nam's expense. Um, So goodbye to Nam. Hello to Ed. And with that, that is all for the show. We know it went a little longer than it was supposed to, but it's the first episode. It's really, you know, we're really covering two episodes at once here. So I'm sure, you know, you can bear with me on that. I hope you understand. We will do our best to get these down to 45 minutes in the future. That's the goal. 45 minute episode, half the length of the actual episode. That seems about right. Moving forward, remember, follow or subscribe this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe. Wherever you're listening, make sure you're follow, subscribe so you don't miss the next episodes as they drop. To recap, we are going to be back next Tuesday, Tuesday evening range, afternoon, evening, to cover anything that happened on the Aftermath show or anywhere else in the challenge world, any clips they put out, any news that is spilled on social media, anything like that, anything non-spoiler related, anything that's just content from the show that you may have missed because they're putting it out all over the place at this point. We're going to cover that on Tuesday, get you prepared back into the new show on Wednesday night. So Tuesday, about a five minute or so micro pod, just get you caught up if you've missed anything elsewhere in the challenge world, refreshed, ready to go for the next episode. And then next Wednesday night, Thursday morning, this recap will be in your feed, recap an episode two, first thing Thursday morning. Moving forward, it'll always be in there. We're going to film it Wednesday night. It'll be in first thing Thursday morning, so you're ready. The morning after the show, you can listen to the episode, listen to the recap. So Tuesday afternoon, first thing Thursday morning, if not late Wednesday night, you're going to see these episodes pop up. Make sure you're following so that you get them. If you want more challenge content, if that's not enough, be sure to follow our Instagram, Challenge Historian, at Challenge Historian, or also subscribe to our YouTube page, also called Challenge Historian, where we're going to start posting a lot of new content. We will, you know, there'll be some clips from this pod, but there'll also be a brand new clips, highly edited, more kind of clips from the show, breaking down certain things, um, looking at some history, historical stuff, looking at past seasons, all kinds of challenge goodness and content coming at you on that Instagram and also now very soon on that YouTube page. So at Challenge Historian, give us a follow there if you want more. And with that, Thank you all so much for joining us this week. It's going to be an amazing season of Spies, Lies, and Allies. We are so excited. It's off to an amazing start. I am your challenge historian, Jacob Holliball, signing off for now. Peace.